why are we, you could say, so so aggressive or positive for now that these changes, these changes will really happen and, and we will see that scaling, which we are talking about. It's, it's mostly that we think three things are coming together. Yeah. Right? So we say technology, um, consumer needs and regulation. Those mm. now coming in the space of mobility together and this will drive the exactly this industrialization or the scale up right from those innovations um, which you were talking about right which are partially 100 years old or even more um, but back then you did not have those three things coming together yeah. uh, which we have now welcome to the mobility innovators podcast Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Mobility Innovators Podcast. I'm your host, Jaspal Singh. Mobility Innovators Podcast invites key innovators in the transportation and logistics sector to share their experience and future forecasts. In this episode, we'll be discussing the future of mobility and key trend in mobility and automotive sector. Our today guest is a partner and co-leader of the McKenzie Center for Future Mobility, focusing on strategic question about the several disruptive trends affecting the mobility industry including the connected car, autonomous driving, electrification, and shared mobility. The McKenzie Center for Future Mobility is the arm of McKenzie and Company, focusing on future mobility scenario in many forms, autonomous driving, e-mobility, shared mobility, and many more. Our guest started his career with McKenzie in 2003 and working for more than 19 years in the organization in different roles. Some of his key research projects include Automotive Revolution 2030, Future of Mobility and Monetizing Car Data. I'm so happy to welcome Dr. Timo Moller, partner and co-leader at McKinsey Center for Future Mobility. Now it's time to listen and learn. Hello, Timo. It's great to have you on the show and learn from your experience. Hello, Jaspal. Great to have me. Great. Uh, so today I'll be spending time getting to know more about you, your work at McKinsey Center for Future Mobility and your thought on innovation in the mobility sector. But to begin with, I would like to ask you to share some interesting fact about your career that are not on LinkedIn. Yeah, so uh, maybe we can we can start with my um, with my family life. So I'm, I'm married, have three kids, relatively small, three to 10 years old. So basically, with that, I have not a lot of room for for hobbies anymore. Um, I do still a lot uh, running, right? So that's my uh, my way to get a free mind and um, also get quite some good ideas while I'm running. Oh yeah. Uh, but apart from that, to be honest, um, mostly my life is with mobility and with my family. So those two themes are going throughout my my life at the moment, at least. That that's a good combination, family and mobility. <laughs> and I can imagine I have two young kids, and uh, and it's it's you have not a lot of room to do anything anything else. But uh, great, great to learn about this. And I know you are very passionate about mobility and doing a lot of great work. So actually, you did your master in mechanical engineering and management from Technical University of Dartmouth. And after your college, you stayed away, joined McKinsey and Company and continue to work in the same organization for 20, 20, more than 21 years now. So I'm, I'm really curious to know what did attract you to join a consulting firm and motivated to stay there for so long, because generally people change career. 
and another important point because you started in 2003 and we are in 2022 how do you see the role of consulting has changed in last two decades yeah um let, let me start with with the question on why consulting and i uh, why i ended up there and it was not a truly a plan uh, back then it, uh, it it just happened somehow so i'm you know, at, at school, I, I liked uh, natural sciences, mathematics, right? So that was also my uh, my passion, right? And I thought about, okay, when when now going to university, what do I do with that? And then, um, yeah, I, I wanted to do something practical, so it was not theory. So that that's why I ended up with engineering. That was not uh, then too far away from that. And I said, May, maybe some management on top of that is not too bad if you want to find a job later on. And so I studied, right, without having clear goal what I want to do with that. Um, and then, yeah, so the end um, then came closer and closer, and I still didn't know what to do. And then for, uh, let's say, for, for, for whatever reason, I ended up sitting in a, as a uh, event from a consulting firm. It actually was not even McKinsey, but a different one. Okay. But then I, I realized, hey, what those guys are doing isn't too bad, right? So they, they do a lot of innovative and also tech-related stuff, but they then think through what you can do with real life uh, or in real life with that technology, right? And 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 um, you see different uh, different companies, different players, uh, also a global thing. Yeah. So I said, yeah, why don't, don't I join for something like two, three years, the typical thing? And then, um, yeah, and then I found out um, that it's not too bad, right? I really liked yeah. it. I, I spent the, the first, let's say, good half of my career, mostly in automotive product development. So I did a lot of work on cars um, and, and car projects and helped clients to think through their portfolio strategy and stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and then the, I would say the, the turbo charger in, in the good old world um, would was then when we made the decision at McKinsey to found the McKinsey Center of Future Mobility. Yeah. And I was the lucky person um, for the, with with the with the employee number zero zero one um, <laughs> to to build the whole thing um, and and since then latest since then the, the mobility disruptions really become became my passion and um, and this was uh, really an, another unlock for my career also at, at McKinsey right the the topic itself but also the um, yeah the, the space which is so dynamic and and have so much opportunities um, and yeah. It, this is now only seven years ago, um, so um, there's there's a lot more to come, and I'm super passionate um, still in that space. Um, on your question, and this is an interesting one, which which I haven't reflected on for quite a bit, right? What is now? Or is there anything different uh, um, between doing yeah, strategic management consulting back in 2003 uh, and today? And 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 yes, there there is. Um, Obviously, the, 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 if I just look in my space now, the content has changed. Um, so you are optimizing, um, I don't know, a uh, diesel engine, uh, and you are thinking about what the kind of the, the, the shape of a new car could look like, right? Yeah. But it actually is the same car, right? Uh, but just the shape is a little bit different. To, um, to now completely new business models, new consumer needs, um, and, new technology so basically the, the, let's say the space has changed fundamentally we are working on as a firm um, but also the way we work on it uh, still yeah. back then I remember 
we were still mostly a, a gang of smart people and you enter a client side, there was a task for defining a certain project and you just did it with your, mostly with your brain and with, yeah, you did some research and then you draw conclusions from that. Um, so today we have, um, I'm, I'm leading the center, right? And, and we have a network now of more than 300 people who are spending mm -hmm. most of their time, um, if not all, like in my case, on mobility disruptions and became really expert in certain fields. Yeah. But we also have built uh, what we call assets, mostly um, uh, market models. Um, we, we are tearing down vehicles. We have uh, experience centers, etc. So today um, we bring own IP, own things to the table when yeah. we work with clients, right? And those are crucial for our client work. And um, and and it's it's yeah, we are still hopefully relatively smart people, but it's 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 much more than that. So we have really we are bringing something um, into a project which which um, yeah creates a jump start typically in in a situation, and it's not this free flow. Um, yeah, just uh, brainstorming and problem solving mode anymore, which we had back then. So it's it, it's quite differently, to be honest, than back then. Um, yeah. And our people are much more, um, yeah, much more, let's say, um, expertise driven than twenty years back. No, that's that's a great point, and I I fully agree with you. Uh, given the data and technology available now, so the consulting has changed. So you can't just tell just a strategic plan to the client and say, okay, our job is done. But as a consultant, now you need to figure out how to make it done. And then you have to figure out uh, through the data and some market analysis and all, not just like a theory, but also giving some practical footprint and all. And and I really like your point when you said like the center for mobility is just seven year old and a lot of things have changed in seven years but I think next seven years will be much more exciting. <laughs> and probably when we'll have conversation again in 2030, uh, you will have a different outlook. Yeah, you smile. We had back then in, the, uh, in 2015, we did screen the technology trends in back then still, we said automotive. And um, we, we started to prioritize what, right? In that good old matrix from likelihood and impact those trends, I think we had 20 or so. Yeah. And we carved out the ACES as the four most important trends. But back then it was not clear, and it is only seven years ago that it's the ACES we are talking about. I mean, we we don't talk about ACES anymore because it's anyway clear. Yeah. Uh, but but only seven years back, we still did an exercise to say what are now the most impactful trends which we are seeing. And and uh, this is this is so let's say um, uh, quickly moving the whole space. Um, and 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 Emma, also with you, you said hey, the next ten, seven years will probably have even another let's say acceleration and speed. That's true. I mean, we we the last seven years were mostly about understanding, piloting, yeah. um, and 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 maybe coming up with new business models. Now it's about the next seven years are fully about scaling yeah. and, and and industrialization in, in, in some areas. Um, and, and and this will will be very different, let's say, challenges to solve than the last seven years, where it was mostly about 
tech and maybe some business ideas, but yeah. now it's about scaling uh, and yeah. this is very, very different. Um, so it will stay exciting uh, and um, and I'm looking forward to that. Oh, great. Uh, in fact, uh, you did author uh, one of the Compedium uh, in 2020 and it was the future of mobility at your doorstep. And mm -hmm. basically you highlighted some key changes in the mobility sector. And and in, in, in that report, I saw there was like record investment happen in last 10 years, like big investment happen in electric, autonomous and shared mobility space. And, and we see a lot of big company. But sometime if I look back in the mirror, you know, these trends are not new. I mean, we had first electric vehicle in 1900. We have first prototype flying car in 1947, uh, which was called Conveyor Model 118. We had first autonomous car built by Cargill Mellon University in 1980s. So these trends are not new, electric or autonomous or urban air mobility. Why do you think things are different now? And, and what one thing as a consultant, I know you must be doing a lot of work for the client. What is your prediction for 2035? Like, uh, you feel 35, we'll be living in that sci-fi world when the car flying around us and and we are sleeping in the car and taking us anywhere. What, what's your prediction for 2035? Yeah, or well, we don't even use mobility at all because we are living in the metaverse, right? And um, there is no need for mobility anymore. Yeah. <laughs> no, let's, let's go step by step. Um, why are we, you could say, so so aggressive or positive for now that this changes, these changes will really happen and, and we will see that scaling, which we are talking about is, it's mostly that we think three things are coming together. Yeah. Right? So we say technology, um, consumer needs and regulation. Those mm. now coming in the space of mobility together and this will drive the exactly this industrialization or the scale up, right? From those innovations, um, which you were talking about, right? Which are partially hundred years old or even more. Um, but back then you did not have those three things coming together, yeah. uh, which we have now. And, and, and maybe we can, we can go let's say, a little bit step-by-step uh, step on those three things. So um, on technology, if you, we have massive advancements across the different trends, right? So if you just think of um, the the computing power you can have today in oh, a yeah. car um, and the network or connecti uh, connectivity you have today in the car, mostly around the world even, um, it was incredible still probably 10 years ago only. And, and if you want to do something like autonomous driving, you need to process a lot of data in yeah. a very short period of time. Um, and, and, and we have now reached, seems like we have reached a point where it's, it's feasible. Um, but we needed that unlock in those base technology, also artificial intelligence is another one. Uh, we, we needed that to, to be able to do that or think of uh, the advancements which we have done in the, in the, in the, in the battery field, uh, just getting costs down. Yeah. Right. If you would still have, um, let's say, a situation where you pay for the um, kilowatt hour a thousand uh, euro or a thousand US dollar, then electric vehicles, purely electric vehicles, wouldn't be feasible, right? And nobody mm -hmm. could pay for them. 
Um, so, but the innovations in the lithium-ion batteries helped kind of to to unlock um, now, yeah, a battery pack which is some sort of um, affordable, it's still expensive, yeah. but it's somehow feasible. Um, so, technology regulation. I think that, that, that this um, so there, there's you, you need to split that in two levels, right? So you have the national regulation, which is yeah. mostly looking at CO two. Um, emission these days, um, or at least that's a big focus area, and you have those local city regulation, right? We have now, it seems like as a society, um, the willingness to do something about the climate crisis, yeah. at least to do something about it. Um, and, and so there's, there's now in, in, in a region like Europe where I'm living, but also in other regions, there's now the, the wish uh, from the society, but then also translated into regulation to 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 force down CO2 emissions, right? And this is also something which you did not have in, in, in the 1900s. Um, it, it's the same if you go to the local level, there is more often so in, in, in on cities, it's not so much um, CO2 only, it's it's uh, the, the criteria for um, yeah, having mostly less cars and then electric cars, um, uh, but also new modes of transport is, is driven just by the, let's say, um, making the system work again. So avoiding traffic jams or increasing traffic flow, uh, increasing the quality of mobility, uh, increasing also the affordability of, of, uh, of uh, mobility. Yeah. And yeah, sustainability obviously also plays a role. Um, and and so cities have started to take measures, right, and and allow only bus to certain districts in the city, or even mandate that cars are completely out in certain areas of the city. Yeah. So cities have started with regulation, uh, and, and and if you listen to them a little bit more more closely, this is only the beginning, right? So there's there's huge plans, um, I think. Europe also here is, is, is a little bit. Uh, you can see that that shift uh, strongest already. Oh yeah. Uh, in the minds of the of the city administrators or the or the mayors, um, that they really want to do something, um, and and so that's the ingredient too, right? Regulation. Yeah. And and the third one is consumer adoption. Um, I mean. To be honest, there I'm not so sure if we have um, so if, if if there the change is biggest, uh, in, but it, I think the others the, 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 the disruption is more even to be seen. But the consumers that that what we can see are very open to all of that. So yeah. meaning, if you ask the, the 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 younger generations now, how important for you is to have um, uh, a car, even in emerging markets like China, where where the, the the car was always a status symbol um, for for the yeah for the for for the people to show that you have achieved something and and you are you can now afford a car even there I mean it's still there it's not gone but even this this let's say level of status symbol is is shrinking yeah um, and in, in in let's say more developed markets. It's anyway seeable for years now. We see a decrease of people um, to do uh, driver's licenses, um, and, and and also in our surveys, right? Um, you see a lot of openness um, to to those different modes, and um, yeah. So the consumers are, are I, I would say, just very very open. Seems like for for all those changes, and we do see the positive sides of, of those changes, and. 
um, yeah, bringing it all together makes us confident that we're gonna see that um, those changes. And uh, yeah, and on your question on on twenty thirty five, right? Um, I I or we do believe uh, we will see significant changes uh, in the in the next thirteen years now, and okay. um, of those at a scaling um, trends. I, I so, but this this is a very heterogeneous and and um, let's say granularly to be answered question. Um, there will not be that mobility solution across mm. the world. Um, I, I do believe from just from the starting points, from the very different starting points, cities across the world will will need different solutions, right? You have yeah. um, you have a relative relatively good um, public transportation system in Europe, um, in, in some Asian countries even better. Uh, you have a pretty bad one in the US, right? And, and just looking at that, the solutions need to look different because you have a different backbone in those uh, countries. And, um, and so um, there, we, we, I think it, it, it will depend on the city um, and, and the answer and, and then there's there's also kind of a different willingness of again the the population there and also the, the administrators there organization to, to to push for that shift and there's i mean there's there is cities in europe who are pretty let's say open say openly saying we want to get rid of cars completely yeah uh, in the next eight to 12 13 years uh, so towards 2035 um and want to replace that by uh, a functional public transport system, which is then complemented by robo shuttles uh, and, mm. and micro mobility. And um, yeah, you have those, but you also have others who are way more conservative, right? Who haven't yeah. um, talked about it. And, and so I do believe we will see different, let's say, very different mixtures in, by 2035. We will see cities which are car-free, I, I strongly believe that. Mm. Um, and we will see others which may not even look too different from today. Oh, great, great. No, I, I loved your post about your framework. I And I fully agree with you. You know, what we didn't have earlier was regulation. People were not open for new experiment. And the customer need was not there. Like in US, you regularly mention about it's, it's, it's very bad. The public transport system is not fully developed here. Uh, but at the same time, they are facing challenge to find the drivers for the buses. So it actually pushed now for autonomous buses. So need for having vehicle with uh, with some kind of a technology so that they can drive at least the shuttle route or the night trips or or the trip within a close boundary like an airport trip. Uh, so you can do with the shuttle bus. So there is there is a strong need now. So which will push the technology and. All the country has a different starting line. I mean, I work with a lot of these European uh, cities and I know it's it's much advanced. So probably they don't need to build a, another layer of these different transit system or, or robo-taxi and all because the public transport is really good. What they need to do is connect those connections and provide right. some services in the night and all. No, I, I love your point and I fully agree with you. Now... One of the points uh, you mentioned about uh, that every country will be different in terms of uh, growth and all. And and I think that will be true for electric vehicle as well. And McKenzie actually published a very good report with the forecast for battery electric vehicle and plug-in hybrid electric vehicle. 
and projected that they will have 47 million electric vehicle by 2030. So it's not very far away, like just eight year. But I agree with you. Now it's a time for acceleration and we'll see a big acceleration because right now we have three, four million vehicle produced every year and it will go up to uh, 47 million. And also you rightly highlighted, probably some country will take a lead like Europe, North America, China, uh, which will kind of, uh, these three geography will contribute 55% of new production vehicle, electric and a new energy vehicle. But what, at the same time, I feel it's it's a huge number. If you look at now and say 47 million by 2030, it's look like a huge number. One reason is from consumer side, but other is like, you need to have these automotive player or manufacturer be ready for that big change. Yeah, and and you are working with these uh, manufacturers. They are very slow to move. They are they are in this industry for so long, so it's very hard to move them. So how do you see the path for electrification shifting to this low emission vehicle look like? Do you think there'll be a lot of bumpy rides, or it will be quite smooth, or now it will be like everybody go crazy and and shift? And and also one point which you mentioned earlier is that. It's not only the vehicles are changing, but the business model around the vehicle changing. Mm -hmm. So will this electrification movement kick in new business model uh, and new era for whole automotive industry? And and I like what you said, like now we call them a mobility player rather than saying automotive player. So how this whole business model will change? Yeah. Um, I, I think the... the... This is this is not an easy one for sure. Not it's 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 the biggest transformation which the automotive industry has seen um, in in since inception. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, and and this is for sure um, quite challenging. If if you just look at let's say the, the value chain which stands behind the battery, um, this alone is yeah. is is a massive shift. We. Um, we are building multi-billion um, industries in, in Europe only to just for on the on the battery, nothing else, yeah. right? Which is not existing at the moment. Um, and so this is a this is a huge task. Still, um, we 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 think it must happen. So there is just no alternative. And the the consumers are open to it, and, and not only open, but they are more and more getting demanding. So we we often talk. If I stay for a moment with the consumer, we often talk uh, talked back then in 2015, right? So at the beginning, the electrification from a consumer or from a, from an industry perspective will be a push situation. So the regulator needs to push in those vehicles with regulation, with incentives, or whatever. Yeah. But at a certain point, we see a tipping point, and then it's becoming a pull situation, right? Where the consumers will pull those vehicles. Now, for I would say in, in Europe, we, we have had that, that tipping point where um, you, I mean, there's still, you need to um, to be able to buy a new car, right? And need to be uh, able to afford a new car. But when you are doing that, you see that um, the majority of, of consumers are considering an electric vehicle, a battery electric vehicle. Yeah. Um, there is still a supply problem in terms of you, you maybe don't get the, the make, I don't know, the number of seats, the design, the brand, whatever, what you are preferring, right? So there's still this need, this massive demand is still not matched by a huge portfolio of vehicles, right? It's, it's already way better than three years ago. Yeah. But it's still still relatively small. 
Um, so that's why then some people still decide to go for something else, um, to go for an ice or for, to go for a plug-in hybrid or, or an hybrid. But there is, um, there is, there is the, the, the demand, right? So, and the other thing, coming back to, this, to my framework again, there's the, the regulation, right? I'm coming back again to, to Europe, right? So there is the clear goal how much we will need to have reduced the CO2 emission for the fleet by 2030. Yeah. Otherwise, you need to pay severe fines, right? Um, and you can turn it around as you want. Uh, it's more economic to get those vehicles or those battery electric vehicles out compared to paying those fines. Yeah. So it's economically smarter to get battery electric vehicles out. Even if you don't earn a lot of money with them or would theoretically not earn a lot of money with them, it's still better than paying mm -hmm. those massive fines and selling ISIS. So there is a, there's a forcing device now also from the regulator to, to make that happen. This is true for Europe, but we have similar things also in other regions of the world. So it, it, it must happen and the industry needs to cope with, um, yeah, building a whole new, uh, supply chain be, behind those vehicles, uh, but I mean, uh, as as always, I'm optimistic. I'm I'm uh, I, I think um, the the automotive players have um, yeah created such a let's say um, great ecosystem, great talent they have, um, um, and and now they are more and more really closely working with with the under, other industry players in in chemical chemicals in mining, etc., yeah. also to make that supply chain work. Um, so I'm it's it's not an easy ride, as I said at the beginning, but I do believe that it's uh, it's feasible to to make that switch to I would say in 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 Europe, but also in China by 2035, I, I do expect we I mean in Europe we must be uh, again regulation, uh, but also in the other areas, see fully fully electrified, let's say sales um, uh, in the in the automotive space. U.S. may be a little bit um, still yeah, some portions of ISIS, but uh, yeah. So that's that's on your EV question. Um, it's not an easy ride, but we're gonna do it. Gonna um, you you are right. Um, it's it's not only about the the car, but it's also about say the the ownership model of, of mm. the car and and even then also the what we so often call the monetization model uh, after the car is in the field yeah right and this is again this is um, uh, also a, a topic where the automotive players but also other ecosystem players are really working on and 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 we I mean we have seen for years now that the the classical model um i don't know from the 60s or 70s you go in a dealership you buy a car you put the money on the table is um, shrinking by the year i mean moved into leasing then um it, that that's that's uh, and those leasing numbers and 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 full leasing full service leasing is is, is, is growing since years um and and uh, so this next step of of what we then call subscription models or, um, or or similar terms is is something which which is now also around. It's not scaling yet. Again, a topic which is not yet scaling, but where um, where there there is from a from a let's say just consumer point of view, right? Some advantages of that, 
um, and also this is matching quite nicely with a lot of the say, um, needs and, and, and the, the demand from the consumers. Um, it, 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 people don't feel it's cool to own a car anymore, to really own it. it, it they see it also as an obligation, right? So, yeah. hey, then it's, uh, I don't know, I need to go to maintenance and, and uh, what do I do if I want to switch the car? Do I need to sell it and compensate it and all those contracts with insurance. And so, more and more, um, especially the more younger consumers see that not as something cool to have, to own a car, but rather as a burden. Uh, uh, so again, we are talking average here, right? So there is still yeah. people around it. And, and so, for, just from a consumer point of view, it's um, it's the subscription idea is a good one. Uh, and now the let's say the real life challenges come comes in with that, right? So there's now obviously a big capex which someone needs to own. Oh, yeah. um, you see that consumers typically want to have a new car in a subscription model, right? But you cannot, I mean, just logically, you cannot change your car every three months and always get a new car. Yeah. So somebody also needs them to take that three-month-old car yeah. and even the six-month-old car uh, and maybe even the one-year-old car. Um, and But typically, consumers like to have a new car, right? So, and, and so it's, you this is not tracked yet, right? The, the, this, the subscription thing, but we do believe that um, say subscription, we will see as we have seen leasing will grow. Um, and, and then also, um, I mean, car sharing, which is then the next level, right? You, you, you have a car only by the minute um, and, and not even by the month or by half year yeah. is, is something where, where we wouldn't expect now any more major growth because we come to that later maybe um but which is still then for let's say specific use cases specifically as as long as uh, autonomous is not around can be uh, a, let's say a complementing element and and will be around for for quite some years we do believe um and so yes also the ownership is, is changing and then um and and uh, yeah then also then say the the obligation to earn money with that car yeah. uh, in the life cycle so a lot of let's say business model innovations you're absolutely right well that's great uh, in fact i want to follow up one point which you mentioned about and i know you did a study on that uh, data monetization uh, yeah. in the vehicle for the automotive sector and i you must have read recently volkswagen start saying we will have a heated car or heated seat but you need to pay subscription charges for that so if you pay subscription charges, they will activate that feature and you yeah. can enjoy. If you don't pay, so, and also I'm seeing a lot of companies are now thinking to become an insurance company uh, as well as because they will have data about your driving behavior and all. And a lot of these companies which are giving subscription, they will say, okay, we will underwrite insurance for you. So you don't need to take insurance separately. We will do that. What other you know interesting use cases you are feeling will come out with this data monetization? How they will make money from this? There we see um, so making money is in in in, in our definition um, how we did it is is on the one hand side indeed creating revenue, but it's also saving cost. Hmm. So um, we we really walked through. Um, in, in our first study already on, on car data monetization to so the whole, let's say, value chain. And, and said even in the in the product development, you benefit from having 
more insights on really consumer needs. And then, for example, you can make easier decisions to avoid developing a certain function when you know nobody's using it, right? And we we have functions in vehicles these days which nobody is using. Yeah. And and then you don't need to develop it. And then you save a hell lot of money um, mm. if you don't develop something which somebody's not using. So there is this, or think of marketing and sales, right? You have more tailored information uh, to uh, to uh, just buy and chemo, and 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 you don't do just the TV advertisement thing, which ninety yeah. percent does not uh, is not interested in. So there there is ways also to save costs, but I mean we all know that the more interesting stuff is is, is those new day growth opportunities, and we see indeed that. Um, it's it's uh, it's easier to to stay uh, or it's it's easier to create a, let's say uh, an, an attractive value proposition for a consumer these days if it's relatively close to the car itself. Mm-hmm. So meaning um, you mentioned stuff right insurance for example you, you need an insurance right um, but I, I think nobody really likes the process this is done today oh, yeah. um, it also does not or likes to save money with the car insurance, right? So um, this is a spot on topic where, um, yeah, with all the data, you can say we are getting, let's say, um, observed by somebody and uh, so our driving behavior. But on the other side, this, um, let's say, observation is, is, is creating value, mm-hmm. uh, which then can be shared between some um, companies, but also, uh, I will also have a benefit from it as a consumer, right? Yeah. If I can prove I'm, I'm more defensive uh, and, and I mean, maybe even have fun to drive more defensive than and a bit slower. Um, and by that earning points or whatever, and I know every point is worth a certain say, amount of money, that can also make fun, right? Um, and and so there 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 is those, uh, clearly those win-win situations in insurance. Predictive maintenance is another one, right? Yeah. Um, that you get both sooner or later into the workshop and, and get an exchange. Uh, we see that everything around um, navigation is, is still uh, a, a relevant topic, um, and and also kind of really adding new uh, elements and criteria to navigation. Um, not only kind of the, the shortest way or or the, the fastest, but also stuff like what's the most uh, let's say sustainable way. Yeah. What's uh, we interesting? We we did we did a survey back uh, was in the, in the earliest uh, connectivity survey. We asked for stuff and the consumers, and they said, "I would love to have a a, a route which is the safest route, mm. right? So where someone tells avoids kind of those typical accident crossings, for example, right? Or uh, you know, on, on the country road where you know there." On this country road, there happens a lot of accidents, right? I, I want to have someone telling me, or the navigation system um, recommending me a different route, which is, which is avoiding those um, um, those uh, yeah critical areas. I, I was, or we were, pretty surprised by that. But it's um, so there's there's also new uh, new ideas around uh, navigation. Um, so typically, uh, and maybe that's my last last two thoughts. Typically, um, it's still the, the, the most relevant areas where you really create a new value, where it's not just 
hey, I have data and I sell this data to somebody or so, um, or this, um, I don't know, in-car office idea, um, which is for some people also creating value, but where, where at a scale you are really solving a problem for a consumer uh, with just connecting data points and, and uh, benefit from that. And this benefit you can share across different parties. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's typically what we see. Um, and, and the other thing which we also should, should mention, and we came up with this um, levels of connectivity is that while many cars are already connected somehow um, to something, None of those, or only a very few, let's say, um, vehicles are have really enhanced connectivity and um, ways of an enhanced interaction with the vehicle. So yeah. um, think of bigger screens, gesture control, even voice control is 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 working in some vehicles pretty nicely, but in many vehicles pretty badly. Um, and as long as you don't have, let's say, the hardware and software on board that you really can create um, in a true experience, uh, then you cannot earn money with, I don't know, cinema-like experience if you don't <laughs> if you don't have the, the hardware and software on board, right? Um, so for those use cases, then uh, virtual chauffeur and and all these great ideas which we also have in there you need this more advanced um, hardware and software in the vehicles, which which is now slowly getting into the vehicles. But it's, uh, yeah, for sure not standard yet. Oh, thanks for thanks for sharing. I, I love your point about navigation because sometimes when I put a, a destination, I want to have a more scenic route, like uh, a yeah. place where you can have a nice view and you can enjoy the landscape and and you can enjoy the drive uh, so i wish there is an option to to select like you said safest or or more scenic round and you can you can drive around that so so quite interesting now you know my next question is which you must be getting from a lot of your client uh, because like you said electric is not more choice anymore it has to be done it's just when it will happen fully and all but a lot of these company have a thought and not not the not only the automotive player, but also the operator is like, whether it's electric or hydrogen uh, or fuel cell, like which area they should invest. Because it's not like you create your toolkits and you create your factories around electric vehicle and five years you say, okay, guys, we are done with electric. Now we are moving to hydrogen. So because I spoke to a lot of industry people and they they are not very bullish about hydrogen. They still feel it's five to 10 years away before commercialization and all. But what's your prediction when when a client come to you, let's a big automotive company, and say, "Hey, Timo, should we invest in electric or should we straight away move to hydrogen?" What's your uh, answer to them? So I I stay for a moment on the industry level perspective, right? I I am strongly uh, convinced of that we will need both um, mm. in the in the whole mobility ecosystem, uh, including also the commercial vehicle side. Yeah, and um, and and the, as a rule of thumb is, the 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 heavier the vehicle, and the longer the route, or you can say the mileage this this vehicle is going per day, yeah. and the more unpredictable that route is, mm. the more this goes into hydrogen. Um, the less this is uh, all those criteria, right? Um, the the more it's going in, in, into purely battery electric vehicles. 
and and um, and and with this kind of logic, which which is obviously driven by um, say time to uh, to uh, refuel or get energy on board, uh, and also let's say range you get with those vehicles with a say a relatively feasible feasible uh, feasible economical model. Um, this this is the underlying root cause, but this will then lead to let's say um, yeah different penetrations in different segments, right? So. Path cars to start with, we may so in in our scenarios, right? In a in a fully decarbonized mobility world, um, we could imagine that even in the in the path car space, something like five to ten percent points sales, you could say in twenty forty or okay. so, uh, is potentially can make sense if you think of. Um, really people who have heavy vehicles, very heavy vehicles who drive long distances, who want to refuel them quickly. There will be consumers who will then um, like to have that flexibility, right? Um, but it's for the, let's take the next 10 years, right? You, we will not see a, a scale up there. Um, mm. This will be, I mean, we have already vehicles on the road today, right? So there will be some growth, but it's you 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 can say it's even neglectable um, in in the next ten years, right? Yeah. Um, if I go to the other end of the spectrum, right, heavy duty, long haul distance truck, even with an unpredictable route, so not not lanes, you go from every day from this logistic center to this logistic center, and you know exactly where you can charge. But you have random routes, right? Less than truckload stuff, uh, where you combine stuff even while being already on the road, yeah. um, and, and stuff where it's where you don't know where to charge um, at at a depot or whatever. Um, yeah, it's clear that uh, this is this is the perfect use case for hydrogen trucks, um, and 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 we then can believe for those use cases, we will see even a penetration of more than fifty percent um, mm. of. Uh, of hydrogen uh, or fuel cell electric trucks. Um, yeah, and then you have the rest in the middle, right? So everything which is urban, regional, right, distribution, I think most of that will be electric, electric. purely battery electric, right? Um, but yeah, the more, the longer it gets, the heavier the load, um, the more uncertain the route is. Um, yeah, we, we will see uh, hydrogen as, as, as a relevant opportunity. Why is, and, and why I'm so convinced of that we see that, and I know the whole story is about uh, efficiency losses. Yeah. Yes, um, um, that's, that's clear. And, and we, we don't have infrastructure at the moment, and we don't have green hydrogen at the moment and all of that. But just think five years back, right, for the, for the electric cars, um, a lot of that was also not around. So that this is not not the point. The, for me, the key the key reason why I do believe uh, that that uh, hydrogen will play a role in our economies in total, but also in transport, is that I simply don't think that we get all the energy, the green energies which we need in in Europe, but also other regions of the world, like in in um, in Japan certain areas of the US, um, certain areas of China, that we can all locally produce that. I, mm. I don't see that. Um, and specifically, I can talk mostly about Europe, right? I mean, we 
we have already paid attention on building wind farms and 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 and, and pushing now again uh, uh, we did that already before uh, uh, pv uh, so photovoltaic uh, and, and, and and but it, it's just too slow right to cope yeah. with the, the the need for speed of decarbonization so that means we need to import green energy some from somewhere um, where it's relatively cheaply um, and cheaply produced and, and 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 where it's able to to fastly ramp up production yeah and then you are getting if you are, if you are looking from a european perspective then you are immediately getting to either very southern europe or um, even in, into africa right mm. where you can uh, get and and then you can kind of close the loop with this efficiency analysis right out of a out of the solar cell you get twice the energy in africa than you get it in in cologne where i'm living yeah right and if i have an efficiency factor of two between those two generation points right and out of the sudden this funny efficiency analysis um, looks already different uh, right between a battery electric vehicle and a hydrogen electric vehicle but uh, the core is um, is really that i believe we need to import green energy and hydrogen is a good mean of transportation mm -hmm. for green energy and then once you have it right anyway around and we need a system of pipelines and, and storage etc in europe um, once this is around anyway then you can also use it for heavy duty trucks right oh, yeah. so that's, that's the simple logic i i agree with you it's not the question of either or it's just which category has a which use case so for smaller vehicle electric makes sense but really? for heavy duty -er, an unpredictable route, I agree with you, because uh, you can't have charging everywhere. Uh, so unpredictable route. So it makes sense to go for go for hydrogen. Great. Now, thanks for sharing that, Timo. And now, you know, I work with Uber. And, and when I was working with Uber, uh, the share mobility things was counted as a death well to the car industry. So they said the car ownership is over. Now everybody will use shared vehicle. And everywhere we will see share mobility and all. But that prediction didn't turn true. And we see uh, most of these big companies which are listed on stock exchange now, Uber, Lyft, Grab, and DD, and, and other than other which are not listed. But but now they have they are facing some challenges. So this whole share mobility thing uh, was a was I mean they changed the industry. I would not say it was a high because they changed the industry. We see how people are buying their stuff and on-demand delivery, on-demand good, like in Europe. Uh, this whole 10-minute uh, delivery was a big hype and everybody thought now there is no need for shops. Everybody will order in five minutes and gone. But nothing is becoming true. So how do you see this market is evolving? And do you see we have already reached a plateau? Like, do you see now share mobility things is over and now we need to think about something new? No, I don't think we have reached a plateau and, and this is all gone. What I, what I do believe is that um, there is still an ingredient which is missing for even bigger scale, and there, um, yeah, this whole system approach thinking is is missing. Okay. Um, so what I mean by that is 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 um, we, we can achieve only a certain adoption um, just by 
consumer pool of, of those shared mobility services, right? Um, specifically, if they still have a driver on board, mm. um, it's also not not cheap, right? Like um, in some very many cases, even uh, uh, compared to owning a car and, and and driving a car, at least a cheap uh, or an older car, um, and and uh, even not kind of compared to um, yeah to other means of transport like public transport or so. Um, so yeah, yeah, by that you would reach a certain plateau. But I'm linking that back now to what I said before, right? Regulation is coming in, specifically local regulation, and and there there is cities, um, and we have the, the had the um, let's say the honor to work with some of those cities developing their future mobility system. Um, you 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 just forecasting by GDP growth. You are just forecasting what will be the population of a city what will be their mobility needs. And then you are throwing that into their current mobility system and you will yeah. figure out um, you are having, um, uh, and, and I have the number uh, on top of my mind, right? In a, in a metro area like Paris, you, you have today, let's say, um, a, a, a commuting time, average commuting time across all the people, right? Of uh, 28 minutes. Okay. And, um, and, and, and we know it's, it's not really fast how you, so for those people who are listening to us who have been to Paris, right, if you want to go in the rush hour from A to B with the car, it's, it takes some time. Um, and, and this 28 hours would go up to, um, to something like 38 if we don't do anything in the next 10 years. So this means everybody is then completely stuck, right? This, this is no option simply. This, this you cannot do, and, 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 and this is purely analytically driven. There's no politics or whatever behind. It's just you see that the systems for specifically for those dense urban areas is not working anymore. If if yeah. we just go on like like in the last decades, hence cities need to change something, and this means you need to get more people. Um, in, in a denser situation, right? So you mm -hmm. need to either bring them into public transport, um, or you need to get them on on micro mobility in the car and uh, sorry in, in a bike, an e-bike, um, uh, or or a scooter or whatever. Um, or you need to get them into pooled shared mobility, right? So the the shuttle idea, yeah. um, and and uh, if you then get the, the autonomous on top of that, so the robo shuttle. Then it's becoming also pretty affordable as a let's say pretty much let's say re replacement. So all three of them, public transport, those those robo shuttles and the micro mobility, putting them all together can replace the car um, in in a city, right? And yeah, and and this will be the unlock, I think. Once once um, the cities decide, either by completely banning cars or limiting them by certain fees right which only rich people can afford um, or or so then we will see the, let's say the next growth um, of of, um, of also shared mobility but well, it's that, important that... we need we solve the problem only if we do it pooled right mm. so only the pooling element is, is, is uh, I mean there's other advantages of, of sharing itself. You don't need the space for the parking vehicle. So there's there's other advantages. But if we want to increase the traffic flow, we need to pool people in, in devices. 
Yeah. No, I I I think uh, this remind me of this. Uh, I don't know if you use it because at McKenzie probably you don't quote Gartner Innovation Cycle, which say like you reach to a plateau or or you are near the plateau. Now you need a, another push to move forward, which is like you said, regulation. Yeah. 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 Oh. This is this is a regulation, and then in combination, and then um, we we are coming to that uh, funny term of mass, so mobility as a service, right? You then this system of of the let's say three big buckets: um, public transport, robo shuttles, and, uh, and 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 micro mobility. Yeah, you need to link all of them, right? So um, there there is then mobility as a service coming, and and, and and if we are honest. It, in most cities across the world, this is also not, not yet functioning. Um, so this is then the, say the more or less technology side for, for that, um, which is also missing yeah. um, in, in most situations. But I think the trigger is indeed this um, yeah, push from the individual city. Individual city. And, and, and actually, another push could be this autonomous vehicle, because there was they were like you mentioned this point, you know, most of this shared mobility is with driver. And so it still have a high cost. So if if you remove the driver, probably the cost will come down drastically. And there was some study done and which highlighted that it, the cheap ride will become very cheap. Uh, in fact, I don't know if you watch this Tesla AI day and, and they demonstrate their self-driving. So it's look very real, like it's soon that autonomous uh, driving will be very real. Uh, in parallel, company like Cruise, Waymo, Bedu, Pony AI, they are running commercial robot taxi pilot in different cities and all. So right. I think there will be two different approaches. One will be the self-driving personal vehicle, which Tesla is pushing, and then other will be shared autonomous vehicles. So probably that will be the that will be the push for the for the yeah. shared mobility. But you know, my biggest concern after, like you mentioned, like shared mobility will be popular again, and with autonomous vehicle, it will it will create more space for people. But with more autonomous vehicle, don't you think there will be like more people will travel and they will have more autonomy to travel? So in fact, some people, those who don't need to be on the road, they will be on the road. Uh, and I was also talking to some people, and they were saying in future we will have. Uh, these shops running around the barber shop will come to your house for haircut you don't yeah. need to go out for coffee because coffee shop will come in front of uh, wherever you want yeah. to meet and all so so it's it's give a scary situation so basically i want to ask you two things one is do you think this autonomous vehicle will be reality soon like the level four autonomy will be will be possible and the second biggest question, which I want to ask you, because you highlighted in Paris that the travel time will increase from 28 to 38 minutes. So you need to do something. But with autonomous mobility, probably it will be 48 minutes. I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm just predicting yeah. or estimating. But do you think this autonomous mobility will be a solution to our problem or it will be a new problem for us? Yeah, also, so the, 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 the second question is a very interesting one. Um, let, let me start with the first one. So, um, we, we do believe that by the end of this decade, we will see level four vehicles running on the streets. Mm. For sure not, you, you have this science fiction picture mentioned before, for sure not all of them. Yeah. Uh, in, in our more recent, let's say, forecast, we would assume uh, an adoption rate of something like 
um, they have low, lower one single digit numbers of, of lethal phase will be truly level four uh, autonomous. But we do believe that um, specifically in the urban case, in this um, in the urban context, we we will see first fleets uh, running around, maybe even having started to replace uh, completely non-autonomous vehicles and private vehicles in a city. So I, oh. I could well imagine that we're going to see that scenario, that the one or the other city um, has decided to ban private owner as privately owned vehicles and replace them by by my three means of transport I was talking about before, including the the robo shuttles. Hmm. Um, so that's that's on the on on the on the timeline. We will see in the in the private space. We will now see a, a relatively let's say aggressive uh, uptake of of the of the levels of autonomy. Right. So um, where we have still in, 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 in currently we still have level zero vehicle sales uh, in in the world. Um, this this number will shrink. Let's say. Uh, relatively rapidly towards the end of the decade um, to probably something, I don't know, 20, 10% or so. Um, so, and will be then replaced by level one, level two, entry, advanced, um, and then also what we see already with some um, selected players, at least traffic jam pilots, level three, highway pilots. So, we will see quite some movement up the ladder, so to yeah. say, uh, also in the private space. But the the level four topic, um, we do believe is is is, is mostly scaling uh, or earliest scaling in the in the in the shared space, simply because of um, the the business case again. Right, so you can afford higher tech costs in a shared vehicle which is running around twenty four hours yeah. uh, and replacing a driver versus you and I would be willing to pay for the private vehicle, which is standing around anyway, 99% of the time. Yeah. Um, so then having an option which costs you 15, 20K, probably the two of us wouldn't take it. Um, so that's that's the simple reason behind. Now, um, is autonomous helpful for the mobility transition or is it rather an enemy, you could say, right? The way you described it. Yeah. Um, it, it, it can be both. Uh, actually, so it it can worsen the situation as you described it. Um, it makes just uh, let's say cheaper to to drive things and people around, and 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 uh, hence there is a risk that autonomous can increase even the size of the problem. But I think the societies are not naive, and and also the city regulators are not naive. They 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 will not allow that. They 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 will say um, if if we now um, want to have a let's say higher traffic flow in, in cities, we need a certain let's say system. This system will consist of I don't know twenty thousand robo shuttles for my city, oh. um, and, um, and 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 this is pooled, right? I may allow even and say okay. Let's give those guys who really want to spend money also some robo taxis, right? So there's some consultants who want to quickly get from A to B um, and want to pay an extra. Um, and this might be even a regulated price, which is then really an extra. 
Um, so you, you may even have some cities who say that's okay for some people, right? But the massive amount of people we need to move in, in, in pool drove or shuttles. Um, and, uh, and then it's an, and then it's really helpful, right? So then it's mm. because it's then you are increasing again the density of people on the road shuttle, but you still make it very affordable. Um, and you can relatively easily, um, uh, figure out that you are getting pretty close to public transport uh, mm. costs, right, by, by mile or by kilometer for those shuttles, which then are agile, right, where you can just call it, they are on demand, you call them, the algorithm is, is kind of optimizing which shuttle is now picking up a certain person, yeah. knowing where that person wants to go and where the other person wants to go. So you can make that quite comfortable. Um, Specifically, if you have such a high penetration, when you say, basically, I, I, I get all my people in those shuttles who are not using public transport uh, for those areas which are not connected to public transport. So then you, you, if you have a massive flow of people, then this optimization of getting us mostly pretty straight to your destination is feasible, right? Um, mm. And, um, and so, in that world, robo shuttles and, and autonomous driving helps. In a world where I just let everything go um, and let the market do whatever the market wants to do, it may relatively quickly become a challenge. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I agree with you. And the the regulators are much more smarter than compared to earlier time. Now they know how the city should shape up and all. And I'm pretty sure you must be working with some of the city to draft these plan already uh, of these scenario building, if if they'll be everything will be autonomous, how it will be. I'm very curious to to see a city which will ban all the personal vehicle and and only allow the robot taxi and shuttle and all. I I wish we'll have more city. I don't know. Probably it will be in Europe. I I would expect so as well. I mean, we have some also some greenfield cities in the world, right? Um, Asia, Middle East, um, where where they at least already today plan for at least certain areas without cars or even completely yeah. without cars. But the interesting point will be more about those, um, say, legacy cities who who will be the first one. Uh, but there's indeed in Europe there's quite some mayors who are uh, quite advanced in and looking into that. Yeah. Um, I mean. Still, we all now know how it goes. There could be an election, right? And then there may be a new mayor and this new mayor may have a different perspective on things. But I see, the, so the, the whole thinking, if you go, and you know that as well, right? If you go to a conference with um, representatives from, from uh, yeah, city governments, everybody is talking about decreasing the, the let's say, modal share of private cars, everybody. Yeah. And and so there there is there seems to be a let's say joint wish from more or less everybody uh, to go in that direction. And so it's only a matter of time, I think, that also first cities will will um, yeah follow the plan of, of having no private cars at all. No private car. No, that'll be a good example for others to follow. And sometimes seeing is believing. When you see one city has done it, then you get a courage to experiment and do. Now. I recently did a small poll on LinkedIn and actually I asked people about what their 
bullish about future of mobility and like you mentioned mobility as a service is still very very talk about subject so more than 50% people said you know the future of mobility is about mass about mobility as a service and they were not very bullish about hydrogen or autonomous vehicle and urban air mobility and and then i went back i said okay you know people are bullish about mass let's see what investor are bullish about the vcs are bullish about but vcs are bullish about urban air mobility they invested 1 billion dollar in last 9 months vcs are bullish about autonomous vehicle they again invested 1 million 1 billion in that they are bullish about hydrogen you know they invested 280 million and they invested only 16 million in mass so there is a big divide between what society and people think and what the investors are thinking i'm pretty sure you must be talking to both of them you are talking to city and you are also talking to some investor or vc fund which are looking future of mobility what we are missing here why there is a gap between what investor see and what public doesn't see or cannot see um first i think your uh, let's say your comparison is slightly unfair um to that point if you restrict um yeah that it really the investments to the term of mobility as a service then the number is indeed relatively low if you would have said shared mobility right um then um, we we are tracing investments into mobility startups since 2010 right and and you then see that across those aces trends on the very highest level it's relatively balanced so there's wages right um but if you imagine how much money flew into those right hailing companies into oh, yeah. those micro mobility companies so if you think that there is also shared mobility right so then the number is is mm-hmm. higher but you are right the, the the investment into mobility as a service is 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 is, is uh, low now why is that i i think coming from both sides i think from um from the um from the from the investment side mobility as a service is is not a let's say so it's it's not really a technological thing or question challenge anymore mm. uh, there, there i mean there the solutions are around so there is companies offering that um it's more now the 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 platform question how do i attract now people on that uh, on that service and also having this environment I, we were talking yeah. about before where you say mobility as a service makes sense because basically you need it to come be, to to get from a to b in a world where you still have like most of the us cities right way more than 50% of personalized travels being in a private car mobility as a service doesn't make any sense where so i i don't have any offering right uh, i mean yeah i can book a scooter okay but i can also do that directly with the scooter yeah. company so why do i know mobility as need mobility as a service um and in europe you you often have the situation that um i know that from quite some um, startups uh, the public transit organizations are typically not very very open to mm-hmm. share uh, or to to open up and and basically become part of such a service um uh, they want to basically do it on their own um because they see their future also in that field and and so there's also the the, the offering is is just also not so the, the the use of of the services aren't great at the moment and mm-hmm. and there's no easy unlock apart from 
the city would say, you know what, we all go free, uh, car free, then out of the sudden, you need it, right? Yeah, you need it yeah. very, very urgently. Um, and, and I think as long as this will not happen, it, it yeah, it, it's for an investor, it's, it it's a difficult space. Now the, the customers, so now coming to your customer perspective, why do they like it? I mean, and I'm glad uh, uh, the people responded like that. We, 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 when we ask consumers um, on, on that question, we see, um, we see similar op similarly openness of, of people, more than 50 people saying we're gonna want to use less uh, the car going forward and more other modes of transport. Yeah. So this openness for, for other mobility modes and by that also for mobility as a service is there. Uh, clearly, and um, yeah, I, I mean, the, 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 this is something where 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 people see a, a true benefit in their daily lives, and that's that's why they why they like it. Now, it's it's the the unlock which we need now. I, I think at least I believe is 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 the regulator. I I, mm -hmm. I think I, I truly believe that the at least I mean. We can wait for another ten years, and then probably those eco ecosystems will be created also by by themselves and, and yeah. by private players. But if we want to see an accelerated um, development, where where we see a, a stronger, let's say, push to new modes of transport or to those more denser and more sustainable modes of transport, I, I believe we 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 need the regulator to um, yeah push here and and. Uh, and make it make it happen yeah no i love your answer and actually you're right you know because i i do coordinate with a lot of vcs and all and that's what they they invest on they invest in technology and product development uh and in mass you know the platforms are ready technological solution is there you just need a regulation now to do it which vc doesn't want to play too much they don't like to play with the regulation they want to play with the product and and launch some innovative product Another sector they are launching uh, innovative products. So thanks for sharing this answer, Timo. I, I really love what the, the perspective you give. Now this is my favorite topic, and I've also promised this is my last question. I know uh, it's it's I took a lot of your time. You talk about metaverse in the beginning, and and I'm very bullish about this whole blockchain uh, and decentralized ledger system in mobility sector. What's your view on this Web three and blockchain and metaverse thing? And one of the idea was coming to my mind because a lot of these brands are now getting active into the metaverse. You're like you can buy some purse, you can buy some food in these metaverse and get delivered in the real world. And you also mentioned that people don't want to go to the dealers to buy a car anymore. That is shrinking. So probably we will see mobility companies selling car in metaverse and you select, you drive and you test in metaverse and, and get in real world. Uh, do you think those use cases? Yes, I, I do see those use cases, and I'm glad you, you mentioned the, the word use case. Um, I, I mean, I mentioned with a smile in the face uh, at the beginning, right? We don't need mobility anymore, maybe in a science fiction like world, because we, we just kind of um, stay at home and, and experience the whole world in the metaverse. I, I don't believe in this. What I, what I do believe <laughs> in is, um, is that those a metaverse technology that we call them like that, right? So underlying technologies which are enabling the metaverse, uh, and and those is um, 
and augmented reality and, and, and virtual reality and, and total, those are blockchain technologies, etc. For those, let's say, underlying technologies and developments, there is a, a massive potential in the mobility space. Mm. Um, and, and I mean, uh, blockchain as an example, right? So we, we all want to know, I don't know, if we, if we buy um, an, an e-buy, um, what's the CO2 footprint of this thing? Um, how much child labor went into that? Hopefully none. Um, uh, how much water was used in production, etc. And and there's many now the the, the the bike is a relatively simple, let's say, component. But there you have already the, the battery in there, etc. So we need to trace a lot of those information throughout the whole value chain yeah. of, of of such a product. And and now think of that of a car, or think of that as a Think of my robo shuttle service, right? I also want to know all of that for this robo robo shuttle service, um, and and there to 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 kind of trace that information um, could be a nice, let's say, uh, application um, for for blockchain. Think of you you mentioned the sales process. This is also one of my favorites um, in, in with with augmented reality, right? I think you 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 and I'm still. I'm passionate about mobility, but I'm also passionate sometimes at least about new cars. Mm. Um, and, and hey, you, you, you have the typical thing, right? You walk uh, along the street, you see a, a car is parked, which you don't know yet, but you think it's looking quite nice, right? And then you, so today we then pull out our smartphones and, and start to Googling, what is that, right? Um, think of, hey, you have your a, a AR classes on, right? You can... Tell your bot, hey, what kind of car is that? Um, and you get immediately connected to the sales rep, um, a virtual or even a real, a real one, right? Yeah. And you enter a conversation, quite a natural conversation about that car. Mm. Um, you can then maybe start changing the color of the car and, and the rims, whatever. Um, and then you have out of the sudden your, let's say, dream car standing in front of you. And you just need to tell the bot now. I want to have a subscription for that uh, for I don't know the next three months. Um, so I'm, I'm making all of that a bit up, and there's probably optimization potential in that sales process. <laughs> <laughs> but this feels completely different than a classically going into a dealership, which is really yeah. disruptive, right? I also need up my mind where do I go? Then I don't have those cars standing around, which I'm really interested in. Neither it feels similar to how direct to consumer or direct sales looks like today, where you go to a, a state-of-the-art con, state configurator and you click, do a couple of clicks here and then you can buy it. Like you, mm. I don't know, buy uh, groceries uh, online uh, or shoes. Yeah. But there's also no really immersive experience with that product, which is not a shoe. Right, so maybe there's people who are similarly impressed by sneakers, but I'm not. So there's, I see a difference between shoes and cars. Oh yeah. And so there's 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 a difference <laughs> kind of complexity and how you want to experience that. And so the, 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 those underlying metaverse technologies can enable a different experience in this in the sales process. So and, and the same you have in in the, I don't know in the production in the plants etc. I think there's there's quite some opportunity um, 
for for those technologies in along again the whole automotive value chain i'm i'm pretty excited as well about that so oh, great thanks sir thanks for sharing a couple of these use cases and i agree it's is actually disturb the wholesale process and make it much more interactive and real time you don't need to like sometime you have a thought in mind and you want to do it there rather than uh park it and visit your dealer on the weekend and and some holidays rather than you can do it quickly sitting in your desk and not only talk but experience and see and and learn about the product then and there no thanks so much uh, timo for sharing uh, you know your knowledge we discuss about mobility yeah. and different technology trend but i want to spend last 5 minute and want to learn a little more about you we have this rapid fire question round just to understand a little better about you and what you think about so whenever you are ready i'll start this uh, rapid fire i'm ready okay so my first question is and and it will be interesting because you are in consulting space for more than 20 years so if you are not in consulting space what other profession you would have selected so spontaneous i'm Uh, I always um, had kind of the idea of running a restaurant. Running a restaurant. Um, for whatever reason, I I did that as a as a as a student job, right? In in the service of a restaurant, not running a restaurant, but in the service of a restaurant, and I, and I liked it quite a bit. Too. So this this service mentality, right? So you you get to meet interesting people who oh, you can yeah. talk to. Um, so I like that, and then yeah, I like food as well. Um, I mean, you shouldn't eat your own food always in the restaurant, but anyway. So for whatever reason, I, I still have <laughs> I haven't given that up. This idea maybe later in my life to um, own and run an, a restaurant. A retirement plan, you know. In fact, I visited a restaurant recently. We spent one hour for eating food and spent two hour talking to the owner. So he was so. loving guy and he want to talk to people so I, i can imagine so probably that's a retirement plan now you must have traveled so much given your job and that's what you mentioned with the consulting firm you get this opportunity to travel which is your favorite city in the world my favorite city of the world is the alps so ah. i i i'm 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 really i'm i'm Uh, so obviously, I, I indeed I, I I come quite a bit around and 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 um, need to meet people somewhere, and this is mostly in cities. But to be honest, uh, I enjoy very much being in the countryside, um, and and in my case specifically in the mountains. Uh, and the Alps are close, so in Europe, right? So that's why that this is a bit my 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 major destination. To be honest, I I like to be more, or I like more to be. in the countryside that and I'm in in the city then then we are friend you know same i love to go to and that's what i said i always look for a route which is more scenic and and you see mountains and all and i did a lot of trekking in himalayas so if whenever you're planning to go to that side let me know i know good people who can take care of you and take you to the mountain <laughs> and <laughs> and show you snow and all this kind of a, no great now you work in a in a mobility sector and i'm pretty sure whichever city you visit you must check the mobility ecosystem in that uh, that city so if i ask you like which city according to you has the best transit network in the world or 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 the best mobility system in the world yeah that's a different question right so mobility system versus transit system so i'm 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 always impressed uh, by uh, the the japanese public transit and and rail system um specifically comparing it to the german one yeah um but i like to be so that's on public transit if you if, I, if you say mobility system 
I enjoy actually those cities, and we have a couple of them in, in, in Europe, like Copenhagen, Amsterdam, where you have a high share of uh, bicycles. And, and, and I think this more or less came naturally uh, there and wasn't really planned through, but I enjoyed mostly the atmosphere, right? So mm. there's just less cars and, 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 and this gives more space for trees and for cafes and, and, and just for people. And, and so, and I also have the impression, not only the impression we know by the fact that the, the traffic flow or the people flow of people is uh, is similar, if not even higher, in those cities where where you have more bikes on the road. And so that's yeah. that's uh, if you say best best has very different dimensions. But for me, uh, I appreciate uh, those kind of cities most where you have a high bike share. High bike share, you know. So all the so basically Amsterdam and and Netherlands. As a country, exactly. you know, that's a, that's uh, a also Denmark, so Copenhagen has, Denmark. has a very high share as well. Um, and we are also improving in, um, in even in German cities like Cologne, right? We very many cities used the, the, the COVID situation where where there were not so many uh, people on the street uh, yeah. in terms of cars on the street. They used it to replace, and we did that here in Cologne also, replace um, uh, lanes of the street into bike lanes. Or by bike lanes, and yeah. now we are getting more, we get getting more and more bikes also across uh, Germany. So we are moving in the right direction. I think. Now many cities around the world took uh, that opportunity to to create bike lane during that period. Mm -hmm. So great to see that. Now uh, you work with startup, and you must be meeting a lot of people in the space ecosystem and innovation ecosystem. Which is your favorite startup in the mobility sector? That, that question is too difficult for me uh, <laughs> because there is so many impressive um, uh, companies around there uh, and, yeah. and really also really impressive entrepreneurs. Um, I'm classic thought and, and there's where, where my still my mechanical engineering background is coming a little bit through. I, I like to see still somehow um, a, a product, right? Hmm. And and so I, I have the opportunity to work for for a, a gigafactory startup, right? A battery gigafactory startup. Um, I I uh, I have the the opportunity to work um, for a startup who's reinventing the car, um, and and really trying to do something very very differently with the car. Um, so those are. Um, I, I need to admit, still, I, I'm 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 a hardware person somehow. Um, that I, I like to work with those, but we also have um, there's there's really cool sharing startups around there, connectivity startups um, who who's, who are making really the journey a more let's say um, beneficial journey for you. So there's there's cool um, there's plenty of of startups, and we. I'm, I'm, I'm having the honor to, to be, um, say, in, in, in two, three startup competitions also active. And uh, every year new ideas are coming. And I, I, I sometimes believe, hey, now we must have seen everything, right? Mm. But no, there's always kind of new stuff um, and more efficient motors. Um, I don't know, a completely different way how to think car insurance. So there's, there's always always new stuff coming around and i think those those are still today the, the the drivers of a lot of those developments and it's 
in, in many areas, it's not the incumbents. It's uh, it's those kind of yeah entrepreneurial and, and passionate guys uh, and girls who who are driving that. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. Whenever you think okay, you have done enough innovation, or now probably there is nothing coming next, and then suddenly you see something very innovative and new. So I I agree with you. It's uh, this world is becoming endless, and we are seeing more and more innovation and people. people are very creative and finding solution so this is my last question i know we took a lot of your time uh, but if you can change one thing in life what would it be it's simple we we just <laughs> press the button right um, and then we have this great new world uh, this great new mobility ecosystem across the world which is way more sustainable way more intelligent uses less resources which we have been talking about all the time and we we just make it by pressing a button and it's there that yeah. would be my dream i wish we could next day morning we'll wake up and we see a new world around us and <laughs> car free world or more exactly. sustainable world i i don't hate car but at the same time i feel probably we can make it much more sustainable agreed yeah no thank you so much simo i mean i took a lot of your time but uh, i learned really a lot uh, during this discussion and some of your framework i mean i really imagine uh, why you are in the space why you are in consulting space putting things perspective in a right perspective in a simple way so thank you for uh, for giving your knowledge and feedback uh, and wish you good luck what you are doing thanks again for for having me and inviting me and um, i can only say that back it was a very interesting dialogue and uh, yeah we 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 are working in an exciting space and there's still a lot of um, things to be done thank you for listening to this podcast we'll be inviting some other inspiring guests in the coming week you can subscribe to this podcast online to get the notification for next episode if you like this podcast please don't forget to give us a five star rating as it will help us to spread our message if you have any feedback or suggestion for this podcast please do write to us at info@mobility-innovators.com at i look forward to see you next time thank you